We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. I'm Chanae Ogwumike. I'm Lisa Leslie, and we're very excited to tell you about our new podcast with Blue Wire, Front and Center. Lisa and I are breaking down what's going on in our lives, in the world, and keeping it 100. We're also learning from amazing guests as well, like Emmanuel Acho. People that show love to me, I forever got their back. Vivica A. Fox. If the foundation isn't right, then the rest of it's going to go wrong from there. And more. Subscribe to Front and Center today. New England sending QB Jimmy Garoppolo to 49ers. We believe we found the right guy. Garoppolo, quick pass, caught by Kittle. He dives, and he's in. Touchdown, 49ers. Kittle is going to go. What is going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Striking Gold, your 49ers podcast on the Blue Wire Network. This week's episode is brought to you by Indeed and Bet Online. My name is Rob Lauder. I cover the 49ers for the Blue Wire Network. And joining me tonight is my co host, former NFL defensive back, Eric Crocker. What's up, dude? Man, I'm I'm ready for some for some Seahawks, man. I I can't wait. This this game, I think I get up for this game more than any other game. Got and to. There's just, yeah, there's like an, an uneasy feeling like every time. Because you just know no matter how the game goes, 49ers can be up three touchdowns, the game is just never over. 
and never, never over. Yeah, dude, that's a good way of saying it. It it ain't ever over. Like, 49ers had double digit leads both times and ended up losing one game in overtime, and the other one came down to the half inch line. So, man, it's just like a like an anxious like an anxious feeling, Um, but definitely excited, man. Excited to see the 49ers versus Seahawks. I'm glad this game is important. I mean, look where we were two weeks ago, where it was looking like. Damn, like, are 49ers going to get a top 10 pick? <laughs> you know? And then <laughs> yeah, I was like, goddamn, got a chance to be uh, number one in the West in a, in a couple of weeks, you know, if you rattle off a couple of wins. So, um, man, much much better place uh, than we were a couple, couple of weeks ago after that Dolphins game. Well, I mean, there's no better feeling in football than knowing it's it's in your hands. You know, like, it's up to you. But, you know what I mean? There's nothing – they're not relying on anybody else right now. They're not – you know, however far they go or however, you know, however, you know, however much they want to climb up this division, it's up to them, you know, and you, you got to, it starts by going into Seattle and beating them. And, and, and the last time the 49ers played the Seahawks, that's exactly what they did. They went into Seattle and won, and that was with fans, you know, now, now it's, if anything, that place is, has almost been for lack of a better term, neutered, you know, like the, the, the potency of, of the Seahawks stadium is, is not, it's not there anymore. You know, there's no fans. So it's, it's, it's just, it's a much more neutral ground to play a game on it. And that, you know, normally I I probably wouldn't bring that up with a lot of stadiums. I mean, it's a huge contributing factor, no matter where you are in the NFL, but everybody knows that that stadium brings a special heat. So it'll be interesting to see those two teams go at it and, and you know, essentially just a, an empty stadium. Yeah. I mean, and that's like a lot of times just the advantage that they have, you know, playing there, the, the 12th, you know, 12th man, like, you know, they get the fans behind them, crowds super rowdy loud, um, offense can't hear. Well, I don't have that issue in this year going in there. I think you get to play a little bit more relaxed and just, you know, do what you're supposed to do. And, uh, I think Kyle Shanahan, man, he he has these guys right now. It looks like they're, they're, they're doing just that. At least they have the last couple of weeks. So um, now they get to do it. No crowd. As a matter of fact, 49ers haven't played in front of a crowd yet, huh? Because a lot of teams are having, like, like it's like minimum capacity. But, you know, there are a lot of teams that are having, like, um, you know, 16,000 fans, you know, whatever. But I don't think 49ers have played in front of any, any fans. No, I don't think the 49ers have played anywhere that would allow fans. I mean, they played – Two games in New York, and the the Dolphins and the Eagles were both at home, right? right. So it's you know, it, and obviously there's nobody walking into Santa Clara anytime soon. So it's yeah, no, they they haven't played, and I don't think Washington allows fans either. So yeah, they haven't. Yeah, they've got nothing in the way of fans. I'd have to look at their schedule and see which Dallas for sure. Right, right, right. I was just gonna say you gotta you gotta look at the at the states and kind of politically politically where those states fall. <laughs> as weird as that is to say, you know, yeah. like that really just determines what they're doing right now. So, um, I mean, it is what it is. But yeah, I mean, that to think about going into Seattle and the crowd not being a factor is just weird. You know, like it's nothing. It's irrelevant. It's not there. And that and and if there's one place. Where that it, it's was, definitely interesting, and I'm pretty sure it'll be a talking point, you know, around. Oh, Crocker got cut off. He'll come back though. 
He'll come back. So we're going to use this time to oh, – wait, no, it looks I'm like back. he's already back. He's already back. Yeah. No, yeah. you're good. You're good. They tried to take you away for a little bit. I know, man. Hey, I, before I, I forget about this, and it's totally random, what's your middle name? Christopher. Oh, that's a good one. Oh, and it's like Eric Christopher Crocker. That's got a good sound to it. Because I was like, when I was like doing the introduction, I was like, damn it, I wish I knew his middle name. I would yeah. totally throw that in here. I was actually, and I don't know if it's like a jinx or what, but my mom, my mom's cousin died on a motor, motorcycle accident, and his name was Eric Christopher. So now I'm like all paranoid to like, well, don't ride a motorcycle. Ride a motorcycle, yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, I think I stay off of those things. But, I have uh, never, I've never had the desire. Okay, I'll put it this way. I grew up on like a little bit of land, you know, where we had some room and re rode everything with wheels, you know, motorcycles, go karts, you know, uh, three wheelers, four wheelers, uh, you know, like any, anything that had a motor, we were trying to ramp it or crash it or whatever. But even with all that experience riding stuff like that, I would never ride a motorcycle on the road mm. because people like I just drive around in a full size truck watching people do dumb shit constantly. You know, like why would I want to be on a motorcycle while this was happening around me? <laughs> right. With yeah. No, I, no protection. I've, I've wanted to, but I just, yeah, it's not something that like I like desire to do, but I do think it's like, you know, just to be able to just kind of get out and ride. Like, you know, I've been riding like four wheelers out here in the country. And I'm like, man, it does feel good to just, you know, wind blowing, you know, you're kind of cruising and, you know. No, no, I, it, it does. It does for sure. But then you can't account for all the other dumbasses on the road. <laughs> right, right. You know, like I've been in like five car accidents. None of them have ever been my fault. And probably like four out of the five of them, if I was on a motorcycle, I would have died. <laughs> like, you know, but uh, since I was in a car, it was nothing. Like, it was like, damn, this sucks. Right. But that was it. So, you know, that's my that's my take on motorcycles. Since we've effectively diverted away from all 49ers talk, we hit you with a little Seahawks, and then we just start talking motorcycles and whatever the hell we want to. You thought you were tuning into a 49ers podcast. You were wrong. You were wrong. But (laughs) no, we'll talk. We'll talk ball. We'll talk ball. So to Katie keeps coming in and out of doors outside this room and it's distracting the hell out of me. I'm trying to to think here. Like I just keep hearing doors close and like the front door close and the back door close and like bedroom door closes and then this door closes and I'm just sitting here going, what the hell is going on out there? Anyways. So practice report. I just tweeted it out. Here it is. Okay. So. The 49ers are getting, I mean, there's nothing that can replace the fact that they've like lost Nick Bosa for the season. You know, that obviously is, that's always going to be there, kind of hanging over their heads. But, excuse me, the 49ers are getting a little healthier right now. Back at practice in a limited fashion was Quan Alexander and Jimmy Ward. Okay, they're, they're starting linebacker and they're starting free safety. Um, that's a good sign for their availability. On Sunday, I mean, we'll find out tomorrow. But I mean, those just 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 a couple of players that would really, you know, kind of help this defense out. Now, I know there's a lot of people that, I, you know, I don't really, and I don't, I can't really weigh on weigh in on this, you know. But I know there's a lot of people that are like, "What do you mean, Quan Alexander coming back is a good thing? I'd rather have Dre Greenlaw in there." And I don't really, I don't really have a take in that. Have you watched either of them close enough to know which one should be in there, like right now? 
Nah, I mean, the the one thing I have noticed is seems it, it. Okay, the issue with with sometimes like what we do as fans and kind of you know what I see on Twitter a lot is they'll notice a player two throughout a game and then be like, oh man, like terrible game or oh he does this all the time, and now it's like you just notice when he does it, you know. More times than not, maybe this guy is doing what he's supposed to do, um, you know. But you know, everybody kind of misses a play here and there, and you know, with Quan uh, Alexander, you know, we've seen him overrun a couple plays, and you know, I love the energy that he plays with. I love the tenacity. I'm perfectly fine with Quan Alexander coming back. Now, we haven't noticed those same missed tackles from Dre Greenlaw, but. Maybe they're there. You know, I, I haven't looked at it closely enough. I just know, you know, I, I strongly believe that Quan Alexander is a good football player. Now, the only time I've ever just kind of been down on Quan Alexander was in the Super Bowl, where I was like, God yeah, damn, get him out thing. of the game because Williams is eating his ass up in open space. And it was just catch, first down, catch, first down. And he was the nearest defender. And it just seemed like it, it happened a bunch of times. Now, maybe it didn't. Maybe it just seemed like it in crucial times, so I noticed it most, right? Like like two or three third downs, it was like a completion on him and the running back got good yardage after catch. So uh but that was that was probably one of the only times I'm like, get Dre Greenlaw in here <laughs> and get Quad Alexander out of the game. But for the most part, man, like yeah, I, I don't have like a strong opinion either way. I, I think he's a he's a good football player. So I think you're better, you know, with him being active and you know if he's out there, great. Um, if not, you know, I, I, I do believe that Drake Greenlaw, you know, he plays extremely well. Well, I mean, that's and that's kind of a good way to spin it. Like, just look at it this way. The 49 – Quan Alexander is a good linebacker. He might not be perfect, but he's a good linebacker. And the fact that we can even have this conversation speaks very – speaks volumes of Drake Greenlaw. You know, and the fact that he can can fill in that space, there's not a drop-off. And the 49ers know that if, if in the future they want to move on from Quan Alexander – they have somebody like Dre Greenlaw who can come in and play at a, at a high caliber and, per, you know, to where the defense doesn't see a significant drop-off. So whether it's Quan Alexander in there and Dre Greenlaw, and, and Dre Greenlaw would still play, he would just be moving to like a Sam-type role, um, which isn't out there as often. But I don't think it's it's worth being, you know, getting in a pinch about. I think whether it's Quan Alexander out there or Dre Greenlaw, you're, you're good to go. You know, just right. Roll. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, didn't practice, didn't practice, nothing new really. We got Richie James, wide receiver Richie James, wide receiver Debo Samuel, uh, Jaquiski Tart, and Jeff Wilson. James has an ankle, Samuel hamstring, Tart groin, uh, Jeff Wilson Jr. ankle, and he's he's not practicing, but he's expected to go on IR soon. That'll, that'll probably happen either tomorrow or Saturday um, because, you know, they there's no rush to do those things as long as they do it before the game. They're required to miss three games, so that's kind of how they look at it. Uh, Jordan, tight end Jordan Reed, cornerback Kwan Williams, and running back Tevin Coleman all practice, but they remain on IR, so they they aren't really listed on the injury report. Um, I think I want to see. I want to say they have until Saturday at like four p.m. to activate them for the game. I'm 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 looking this up on the fly. And it doesn't really say this is like a date. Um so yeah, I know there's a there's a very certain time frame. I believe it's sometime midday Saturday where they have to determine 
if if guys are coming off of IR for the game. So, you know, we we should hear about that at some point later this week. Um, if if any of those guys can come off the IR. Now, there's no real there's no real incentive for the 49ers to do that until the very last minute, especially, you know, if, if all of them are healthy, let's just, let's just say, and I don't think this is going to happen, but let's just say the 49ers decide to activate them all. They're all good to go. They're all ready to play. The 49ers are one are going to want to give the Seahawks as little time as they can to prepare with, for what those players might bring to the table. K1 Williams gives you a guy that can hang with someone like Tyler Lockett Jordan Reed is another playmaker that they would have to account for in, in you know, 21 personnel, two, dot, two tight end formations. And then Tevin Coleman, I mean, he's probably the least uh, – I mean, he's just another running back into the fold. So however you'd prepared for running backs up until that point, he's not going to add necessarily a new dynamic. But, you know, so the 49ers don't have any incentive to announce those until the last possible time frame. So we'll see on those. You know, we'll see. The 49ers could theoretically go into this game against the Seahawks on Sunday with Quan Alexander, Jimmy Ward, Jordan Reed, K1 Williams, and Tevin Coleman all being added to the roster in one fell swoop. Now, don't expect that. Kyle Shanahan did say that, you know, the Thursday night's next week's Thursday game against Green Bay was a little more realistic for some of these players. But we'll see. We have no idea where they're going to go for it and how how deep Kyle Shanahan's gamesmanship is his, his gamesmanship game is for lack of a better term. I mean, he could know that all these guys are going to get activated or none of them are going to get activated. And he just wants to keep everybody on the hook um, until they're forced to, to make a decision. So anyways, I don't know if let's, let's say this crock, if yeah. between let's say Quan Alexander, Jimmy Ward, Jordan Reed, Kwan Williams, and Tevin Coleman. If you could only have two of them, who would you pick? Okay, uh, Kwan Williams. Yep, I felt like that was an easy one. And this might come as a shocker, but Tevin Coleman. Okay, why is that? Tevin Coleman. Um, I just think with the 49ers kind of depleted at running back, um, you know, there is no Mostert, and obviously uh, Wilson got hurt. I don't know how comfortable I am going into a game where, you know, you have to lean on Hasty and McKinnon. Um, McKinnon, obviously, like, he's he, he's serviceable. But, you know, I talked about it last pod. You know, I, I felt like he's a better, uh, a better third down back than just being able to run the ball. And if you just have to lean on just Hasty to kind of get you – you know, nice, consistent uh, running back play out of the backfield. That's not something that I'm just all the way comfortable with. So I know people give, you know, Coleman, you know, a hard time. And, you know, he's definitely not a lot of people's favorite running back. But I do know he's played a ton. He has had big games. He has had really good games. He also has had average games. But just the, you know, just the ability and, and the, you know, him being kind of like that veteran guy who's used to kind of, you know, carrying the load, at least for the 49ers, I'd feel more comfortable with that. So I'm going to go with uh, Williams because I really like him in this slot. But I'm not going to lie, Jamar Taylor, he did have two interceptions last week. So maybe You know what what cracks me up and it kind of has to do with what you just said is like 
Do people expect to have for every player to have a great game every time? Yes. You know what I mean? Like how how crazy is that? Like well, just imagine like in any job that you do, like you're expected to be at your absolute peak at every possible moment. Well, well, I, I'm in the group chat and somebody kind of brought up and if he listens, you know, he knows I love him. Um, but, uh, you know, he had brought up that the 49ers safeties kind of had a couple of like, you know, busted coverages and that weren't, that weren't exploited by uh, uh, Cam Newton. And it was basically like the kind of question that he asked was like, you know, if, am I wrong for thinking like, Hey, you know, if, if there was a better uh, quarterback throwing the ball, you know, the outcome would have been better. So basically saying like, you know, the safeties didn't play as good as most people think. And my, my response to that was safeties like, or any like defensive player, defensive back, like you're not going to be right. 100% of the time, like good coordinators, their job is to put defenders in a bind. So there are going to be times where they put a defender in a position to where he is unsure about what his responsibility is at that time. Now, the, with guys like Marcel Harris and Tavarius Moore, what you would hope is the more they play, the more they see, the more they limit those type of things, right? Like when once they see that on film, they have that conversation. Hey, what were you thinking here? How did this happen? Okay, okay, hey, coach, how do I do this or do that? They go over it. And then now if you get that same type of look, because you've seen it before, you know how to play it. So that's what you would hope for. But I say that to say, like, most guys have some bad plays. or some bad games. Um, the goal is to not string those together because if they are consistent, then you just don't belong on the field. You know what I'm saying? And when it comes to Tevin Coleman, uh, a lot of people give him a hard time, but I mean, we, you know, you look at that, uh, didn't he run for over a hundred yards in that uh, divisional round playoff game against the, the Vikings? Yeah, I think so. It was Yeah, close. he ran for over a hundred yards. He had a really good game. He's had some big games. I mean, he scored four touchdowns against um the uh the, the the Panthers ripped off some, you know. Now his games were a little bit more boomer buzz, but I just think that, you know, he's he is solid. Like he is a solid back. He's not the best back on the team. Um I if if you were to tell me like, oh you don't, you have a choice, Mostert or Coleman, I would say Mostert. Uh, you know, maybe even at this point, Wilson or Coleman, I would say Wilson. But when you start getting the other guys and stuff like that, I, I just kind of I kind of just feel a little bit more comfortable with him um, sharing the load instead of having to depend on just Hasty and uh, McKinnon. That and you know that's just how I feel about that. Yeah, I, I get that. It's just to me, I was I was kind of just referring to like this. I mean, like if if a player has a great game every single game of their career, then they just become the highest played player at that position, and that's it. Like it's just, and there's only so many of those around. You know, like it's just. Like, yes, a player has to maintain a certain quality of play to even be on the field or be a starting option or any of that. But it's like, it's just people just like get get so tightly wound about like every little play or every game, you know, and, and, it, and it's kind of just a broader spectrum than that. You know, like there's just, you know, there's been games where George Kittle isn't a factor. Right. You know, that, or that or, play, mean, or games where he, you know, he's maybe dropped a couple of passes or maybe missed a tackle. And then all of a sudden the storyline is, uh, can George Kittle not block anymore? And it's like, what? Like, okay, missed a couple blocks. Like, the defense, they get paid too. And that's not making excuses. That's just, it is what it is. Like, there, there's going to be times where Michael Jordan had an off game. Like, LeBron James, Kobe Bryant, like, they have off games. Like, 
but that doesn't take away from their greatness and the things that they typically do on a consistent basis. Uh, I think, and th- that's, that was one reason why, you know, we have brought up, not everybody needs all 22 or access to all 22 because guys <laughs> go in and they nitpick and they pick out one play and it's like, oh, see, he never makes this throw. And it's like, dude, I'm pretty sure he makes that throw plenty of times. Like, you know, like they, they'll they'll pick out one thing and then like build a narrative off of that. You know, especially in a lot of times it's from like a, a fan's perspective. And when I try, when I look at these things, and I'm not saying I'm better than anybody else or anything like that, but I, I just how I go about it, I don't look at any of this stuff from a fan's perspective. I look at it from a player's perspective and a coach's perspective. What am I asking this guy to do? How difficult of, or uh, was it for him to do it in this type of situation? How do we improve on it? And that's just how I look at it, uh, at all of it, anytime I'm watching any type of film. So I know that there's going to be some plays that aren't great, but that doesn't mean that that's who that player is. You know what I'm saying? Right. Yeah. No, it's, it, it, and then what's funny too, when you mentioned the L22 is you can tell that there's totally people out there that, depending on what they're going into the film session wanting, that's what they get. Like, you know, and you know, like, let's say it's a Jimmy G thing where they're trying to highlight Jimmy G's bad throws. You know, they're in there skipping over the good throws and be like, no, 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 this doesn't work for me. Like, like you know what I mean? Like, and, and it's just like such a funny thing, especially when they, it becomes really obvious. It could be, you know, the other way around. Like somebody literally is just skipping over the bad throws, trying to find the good ones. And it's just, I don't know. It's funny, man. People just act like they have a real stake in the game. And it's, I don't know. Right. But, you know, they have the access to it. So you just kind of have to filter to, filter through and, um, you know, pick out guys who, who you feel are uh, knowledgeable and kind of, you know, it, it depends on what you're looking for. Um, when right. I post things, I'm not posting things to get a reaction from people. I just post, like, what I see to so that maybe it can, like, uh, someone can gain knowledge from it, if that makes sense. No, it does. It does, for yeah. sure. I mean, like I'll like just see, a, I'll see something, I'll be like, "Damn, this was really good." Like I like how he did that, or mm, okay, I, I I've seen him do it before, you know. And here's an example of him doing it right. Can can he be this more times than not? Um, you know, here's an example of him doing it wrong, but you know, I, I think he can be consistent with it. I would like to see more consistency from him and doing it this way. And, you know, I, I try to put out things like that, that like kind of give encouragement to the players instead of like kind of putting things, putting guys out. And I think that's why players kind of, that's why they fuck with me on on there. And they talk to me and they DM me. I have some guys following me. I never thought, I was like, damn, why is CJ Henderson following me? Why is Stefan Diggs following me? Like why, you know what I'm saying? But, you know, they, you know, uh, Christian Fulton, all these guys, because I think they respect, you know, kind of what I put out there in. For me, it's never about me or trying to uh, push a, a certain narrative about a player. It's always about, like, what can I learn from this? And can other people learn from it? And, you know, hey, let's find out who this person is. So, yeah, I just try to do a lot of that. I like it, bro. I like it. Let's get a quick uh, let's get a quick word in from our sponsors, and we're going to jump back on here, and we're going to talk 49ers Seahawks. Because even though sports had a break, your business didn't, folks. Got to keep moving. That makes hiring more important than ever. Indeed is here to help. 
Indeed.com is the number one job site in the world because Indeed gets you the best people fast. Unlike other sites, Indeed gives you full control and payment flexibility over your hiring. You only pay for what you need. You can pause your account at any time and there are no long-term contracts. Plus, Indeed provides powerful tools to make your search that much easier, like sponsored jobs, which are shown to be three and a half times more likely to result in a hire, with 73% of online job seekers visiting Indeed each month. Indeed is going to get you the important hire you need, just like they have for over 3 million businesses. Right now, Indeed is offering our listeners a free $75 credit to boost your job post, which means more quality candidates will see it fast. Try Indeed out with a free $75 credit at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. This is their best offer available anywhere. Go right now to Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Offers valid through December 31st. And as you can tell, football is back in full swing. And you might not be at a game this year, but you can still be in on the action at Bet Online. Bet Online is going the extra mile to make sure you can get in on every possible chance to win this season. From game spreads and totals to team, player, coaching props, Bet Online gives you more options to wager than anywhere else. You can get in on their season opening bonuses today and start off wagering on wins, division, and championship futures all day, every day. Head to Ben Online today and take advantage of all their great sign-up bonuses. Don't forget to use promo code BLUEWIRE at betonline.ag. That's BLUEWIRE. It's all one word. BetOnline is your online sportsbook experts. All right, dude. The moment of truth. 49ers and Seahawks on Sunday. The game of all games. And you know what's nice, too? For a while there, when Kyle Shanahan first showed up, you know, we'll say this. After the Harbaugh era, you had Tom Sula, you had Chip Kelly, and then Kyle Shanahan first showed up. During that whole time, the Seahawks rivalry was essentially dead because the 49ers just sucked. (laughs) You know, and... And it is nice to have these games back where it's something that everybody can get up for. You know, it's it's obviously you, you would expect it to be a great game. You almost expect it to come down to the wire. It's just, you know, it's so much it's so much more enjoyable football that way. Well, let's put the things in perspective. 2014, 15, 16, 17, and 18, the Seahawks swept the 49ers. Damn. So, yeah, that's... 10 straight meetings, all won by Seattle. <laughs> you know, that's tough. And then they also, you know, obviously um, 2019, uh, or no, wait, 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 2018 at the end. So I think, no, hold on. Yeah, 2018 at the end, the 49ers won one. So they, they did win 10 straight meetings, but it must have been like starting from them winning a regular season game against the 49ers in like 2013. Um, well, they, so they, they probably included the, the playoffs too. or the playoff game. Yeah. So yeah. When you start with the playoff game and then you go, they won 10 straight meetings. Um, and then that didn't, you know, fall until, uh, Nick Mullins beat them in overtime in the rain. And then since then the 49ers, obviously last year, uh, you know, split with Seattle, but 
I think, especially the 49ers win this one, I think rival, rivalry will be renewed, especially in this magnitude of a game. Because at first, obviously, like like I said, a couple of weeks ago, this was looking like it wasn't going to be any type of important game and probably would be a blowout. But now it's looking like, hey, this is a very important game for both teams. Because, you know, Seattle loses this. They haven't won a divisional round game. I mean, a divisional uh, game. And then, you know, 49ers are essentially a half game uh, behind them. So this is a, it's it's a big game. And I'm glad that there is, you know, the importance because it deserves it, you know, a, a game of this type of uh, magnitude between these two teams. Right. 100%. 100%. It's going to be, it's going to be interesting. I mean, the 49ers aren't favored, but I think they're only slight underdogs by like three points, right? Like it's not, I mean, that is kind yeah, three of like points. an average, right? So, but I mean, it could be more. So obviously, teams get three points on, on, uh, at home. automatically. Yeah. So right. home team automatically gets three points. Right. So it's, I mean, I, I, I mean, at least you could say the 49ers are being respected, um, by the, the betting community, which is usually right on, you know, Vegas rarely misses, you know, that's why they do it because they make money, you know? So it, it'll be, it's just, it's just an interesting game. Like a, a part of me wants to say, like, I feel like the 49ers should be favored. Like, obviously it doesn't work like that. The Seahawks have been great. Um, they've been on a roll. Russell Wilson's been on a roll. The 49ers have been beaten by some bad teams. But I feel like what the 49ers have established over the last couple of weeks, they just seem like they got their shit together, if that makes sense. Like, they just seem like they're ready to roll. They seem like they've creeped back towards their identity. They've got, like, a, a top – it's almost like a top five defense right now, despite so many injuries. The offense is kind of rounding into form. The offensive line has got their shit together. It just seems like – you know they're they're where they need to be as a team as a whole, especially considering all the the other factors. So, you know, I feel like they're in a good spot. But let's let's talk some specifics. Let's talk some specifics. Um, what's like your main thing that you feel like the 49ers need to do, Croc, to uh, to be able to hang with the Seahawks and, and walk out with a win? You know, I think the, the the biggest thing and the most important thing to me is limit the deep ball, you know, and that's how the Seahawks have been putting up a ton of points. That's how they've been like really scoring with all these teams, like scoring so many points. Uh, just the the big play, the explosive play, you have to limit that. And for the most part this year, outside of, you know, 48 being on the field, the 49ers have done a good job of limiting that play. Um, 48 gave up some against the Dolphins. Uh, Dante Johnson gave up, gave up one against the Eagles, and outside of that, there haven't been those type of explosive plays. There was a drop in coverage against uh, uh, Arizona week one where Hawkins caught the crosser and, you know, ran and got tackled at the one-yard line. But for the most part, 49ers have limited that big explosive play, and they're going to have to continue to do that this game. And that's how the Seahawks feast on their opponents. And then they gain that type of uh, uh, momentum off of that, right? Then you start to see DK and he starts coming alive. Like, you can't have that. You have to limit those big explosive plays. And I, I think they're probably going to get one. They might get two. Can't let them get three. <laughs> All right. Uh, and three um, is the number. I, yeah. Uh, I think that's the key. That's the key to this game and kind of keeping the scoring down. 
And, you know, thankfully for the 49ers, maybe Jimmy Ward gets out there. But even that, you know, uh, Tavarius Moore and Marcel Harris have played pretty well in their in their in the safety's place. Uh, Emmanuel Mosley, you know, they, the, the Panthers tried to take that one deep shot and Emmanuel Mosley essentially ran the route for the receiver and caught the ball and brought it back. You know, Verrett's been Jason Verrett's been really good. Um, he's back at practice, too, by the way, for those asking. He missed yesterday, but that was just a vet's day off. So he's back at practice. He's fine. Um, so, yeah, I mean, the, the 49ers have, have, like you said, they've, they've limited the deep ball. They've done a good job of that. And it's it's obviously going to be an important part of the equation, you know, with the whole let Russ cook movement going on right now and letting him. And, and there's, no unden- there's no denying what he's been able to do. You know, like he threw that one pass to Tyler Lockett against uh, the Cardinals. That was like one of the best passes I've ever seen. Like it was just like this 50-yard deep ball that was, and I and I tweeted about this, it was like the equivalent of throwing a football like 50 to 60 yards into a basketball hoop that is moving at whatever speed Tyler Lockett was running. <laughs> And like, he did it multiple times. I mean, obviously the one for the touchdown, but there was the one early in the game that uh, Tyler Lockett caught with one hand with uh, with the with uh, 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 Patrick Peterson all over him, like pulling one arm away, and and Lockett still caught it with the other hand with his left hand. But it was the catchable ball that <laughs> Russell Wilson threw in there, and it seems like every game he's like he drops one in, like you said, like that was like one of the best throws you've ever seen. It's like damn. It seems like every time I watch them, you could say that about a throw that he makes to Tyler Lockett. He made one on the sideline last year um, where Lockett made like a toe-tapping catch, but it was like the way he threw it, he put it in a spot where only Lockett could catch it. And like, I mean, their their connection is is pretty, pretty damn good. Pretty damn I good. I don't know if you could come up with another quarterback and wide receiver that have a better connection. You've got Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams. I was going to say Aaron Rodgers, Devontae Adams. That is pretty special. It's pretty special, right. that one. You got them, too. But you have Russell and Lockett. Even with uh, Adams being hurt as much as he is, he puts up these, like, crazy numbers when he's on the field. Like, And, I mean, no matter what, like, A-Rod is throwing Rogers, uh, uh, Adams the ball. So that one – I think that one might be number one, but this could be probably number two, seriously. Right, right. I mean, and, you know, as as weird as it is to say this, you know, Kyler Murray and DeAndre Hopkins are, are getting, but it's that's more of just, and, and Deion, uh, Kyler Murray misses DeAndre Hopkins all the time. But, you know, it's like, it, that's more of just DeAndre Hopkins being a guy that will just catch everything. Like that guy just catches everything. So I, w- I wouldn't necessarily put them up there. I'm trying to think if there's any more that I need to bring up. But I mean, point being Russell Wilson and Tyler Lockett have got it going on and the 49ers are going to know that. And that's going to be their focus. If you were, if you didn't turn in, tune in to the Seahawks and Cardinals game, you missed a hell of a game, but you would have seen Russell Wilson throw the ball 50 times. 20 of them were through Tyler Lockett. He caught 15 of them for 200 yards and three touchdowns. Okay. So, I mean, obviously, and, and you know what that tells me too, though, is if Russell Wilson is forced to get into a shootout, he wants to throw it to Tyler Lockett. That is his his emergency valve, his his escape route, like that. He wants to throw it to Tyler Lockett. So you know, there's no uh, DK Metcalf is no slouch. I'm no one saying that he's he's earning his right as 
you know, one of the better receivers in the league. But, you know, seeing that tells me that if it's a situation that is, you know, there's there's a little bit of desperation involved. Russell Wilson wants to get the ball to Tyler Lockett. So and that's what the defense needs to know. It'll be impossible to ignore it looking at this box score and watching the film. But I mean, that to me is it. You know, you got to limit that connection. Now on for for like my first my key to the game, if Crockers was stop the deep ball, mine was I mean, what's the best way to say this? Hold on to the ball. Like the 49ers the last two weeks have absolutely dominated the time of possession. Against New England, they were a minute and a half shy of holding onto the ball for 40 minutes, which is two-thirds of the football game. Against the Rams, they were two minutes shy of holding onto the ball for 40 minutes, which is two-thirds of the football game. So to me, if you really want to beat the Seahawks and you really want to avoid these Russell Wilson heroics, then you have to put together solid drives that aren't just necessarily, obviously if you can get big plays and you can score, then you get big plays and you score. It doesn't matter, but you got to keep Russ off the field and, and just don't even give him the opportunity to do this stuff. What you 49ers fans should be craving when it comes to this game is seeing Russell Wilson pacing on the sidelines. That is where he should be. Okay. So, you know, I, I don't know if that obviously that involves running the ball. And if there's a defense that is going to allow you to drive the ball and execute scoring drives, it's the Seahawks. Their defense has been horrible this year. One of the worst defenses in the NFL. Not good at all. So, you know, obviously when anybody thinks 49ers-Seahawks rivalry, you think of the Legion of Boom and you think of this defense that is just so incredibly stubborn. It's unbelievable. That is not what they are this year. It's There's there's nobody left, you know, it's, for, except for like, you know, Wagner. You know, it's... We it's, don't have any pass rushers. I think no. that's the biggest issue. Like, one thing and about the one they Garoppolo, traded for just now isn't going to be able to play. Well, they also traded for another one, and that's Jamal Adams. He leads their team in sacks, and he hasn't even played like in a few weeks. <laughs> right, and <laughs> I'd have like, to go. I need to that's go look. Uh, I need to look at their at the Seahawks practice report um, from today too, because I know Jamal Adams did not practice yesterday, so I don't know. I'm looking. I'm looking on Joe's uh, goes Joe's Twitter. I don't know. I don't know if he practiced today. But I know that he wasn't really on pace to to play against the 49ers. And that's a huge piece. But, yeah. Wait, hold on. No, that was yesterday. Okay. No, I didn't see anything as far as Jamal Adams from today. But, yeah, obviously he's he's one of their key defenders that may not play. And, and yeah, you, when your safety is your best pass rusher, then something's, something's up. Yeah, so. that's not, not, not ideal. And that's no. kind of been their biggest issue. I mean, it doesn't matter who you are, man. Like, you can have Champ Bailey and Rod Woodson and all these good cover guys back there. But if you can't get to the passer at all and guys are just really comfortable, you are more likely to get picked apart. You know, and it's just that that's that's been a big issue. Because when they do get like a little bit of pressure, I'll say Dunbar. He has played well at times, but their secondary as a whole, 
They're just giving up a ton. And not just the secondary. I mean, in the run game, too, they're giving up, like, five yards a carry. Like, you, you can't you can't win like that. Like, well, you can win, but everything has to depend on Russell Wilson. And that's what it's been for them. They have been in a lot of games that haven't been, like, where they're just running away with it, right? I mean, you've seen teams uh, where or games where it's always Russell Wilson at the end of the game having to, you know, win the game for them. And he's that good, so he does it. But Cowboys game? Cowboys were winning at the end of the game. Uh, Patriots game, uh, they stopped uh, Cam Newton on the one-yard line. But even then, that game, that game had everybody thinking, damn, Cam Newton is back. Like, Cam Newton is amazing. How did, how did they get him for so cheap? And then 49ers destroy him, and he looks trash against the Broncos as well. And everybody's like, god damn. Like, Cam Newton sucks. Patriots suck. Can't take anything from that game. Like, But against Seahawks, they look really good. So, I mean, their defense... You can definitely take advantage of it. Um, I expect Kyle Shanahan to really take advantage of it. <sighs> I'm. I, it's it's going to come down to that deep ball, man. We, we just gotta gotta limit it. Well, that's what I mean, and and that kind of blends me into my next next thing, and that is no mistakes, you know, and that and that does lend itself. You, there obviously will be mistakes. It's nobody just the whole, whole team just plays flawless. That doesn't happen very often, but you know that that lends itself to the deep ball, you know, that giving up a deep ball would be classified as a mistake. But to me, I kind of focus on the offense. Like, look, you have a vulnerable defense that you should be able to score on the majority of your drives. You have to execute drives, keep your defense off the field, or Russell Wilson is going to do his damn thing. And so you can't have, you're hoping that bad Jimmy just doesn't show up and he does his thing. And you're hoping that Kyle Shanahan just, schemes the Seahawks defense into oblivion. I mean, I we I mentioned this on an earlier pod this week, but you had Seahawks fans in somebody's mentions, I can't remember who, just saying, man, Kyle Shanahan's going to tear this defense to pieces. You know, like they know what should happen. And that offense, Kyle Shanahan, Jimmy Garoppolo, Brandon Ayuk, George Kittle, whoever's back at running back, they have to outpace the Seahawks. The, four, the, the biggest mismatch in this game, or let's just say the biggest difference between these two teams, is how much better the 49ers' defense is than the Seahawks. So the 49ers are going to need to take advantage of whatever stops the 49ers get. It has to be something that the offense takes advantage of by putting points on the board. If they don't, and you're constantly send, sending Russell Wilson right back out there, you're going to get the result you deserve. You know, it's it's they have to execute. They have to do it. I mean, the Seahawks offense is quite a bit better than the 49ers offense, I believe, statistically right now. But the 49ers offense is no slouch and they they will put up, you know, more than 30 points in a heartbeat. So so that's what I mean when I say the biggest mismatch is how much better is the 49ers defense than the Seahawks. And so the 49ers have to be able to turn that into something that wins you the game. If the, you know, simple math, if the Seahawks get stopped three times, the 49ers need to make sure those result in points. You'll, you'll see it happening in the game. You'll know. I mean, you see it all the time on Twitter. 49ers need some points here. And in this game, they're going to have to get the points when they need the points. Otherwise, Russell Wilson's going to fire up the barbecue and he's going to start doing his thing that 49ers fans know better than anybody. 
and he's going to start running down and just chucking the ball downfield and a receiver will be wide open and he'll catch it and then he'll make somebody miss. And, you know, it's, it's that shit you've seen a million times. And it's just a matter of the fact that the, to me, it falls on the 49ers offense, executing drives, keeping Russell Wilson on the sideline and limiting the mistakes. Because when you're playing against, uh, you talked about this, I think a couple days ago, Croc, playoff football is for the most part, mistake-free football. Like when you're playing against a playoff team, you can't go and throw three interceptions like Russell Wilson did against the Cardinals. Like that stuff just doesn't happen or, or it happens, but you lose bad, you know? So it's, to me, it's, it's, it's gotta be Jimmy G's got to play a good game. Kyle Shanahan's got to do his thing and, and they just need to keep Russell Wilson on the sideline. Yeah. And, um, the Seahawks may have to like, you know, lean on their quarterback, which they always do anyways, but they have a lot of banged up running backs right now. Uh, so I don't think Carson's going to play. Um, that's the main guy, right? Like, I, I'm not – he kind of scares me just a little bit, man. That dude, he runs hard, always gets those weak yardage. Uh, yeah, Chris Carson, man, I, I'm glad he's not playing. <laughs> I'll say that much. Yeah, no. He uh, – yeah, he's he's a beast, man. And what's what I like about the way Chris Carson runs is, like, he's explosive, but he's one of those – I just built up steam. Good luck guys. You know, like once he gets his speed and kind of like it's, he just runs people over and it is, it's, it's brutal. So, and I think I'd have to, I need, I need to go find the Seahawks most injury, most recent injury report. Cause Carlos Hyde was hurt too. Um, Travis Homer, I think was, he was, he was either also hurt or people just really don't think he's kind of like anything to worry about in the backfield. And it might have came down to uh, what did we say his name was? His name DJ Dallas. Yeah. What's what's his and I name? I want to say. I mean, the only Dallas I know that's a running back is from uh, from University of Miami. The U. Yeah, that's that's him. So the the Seahawks are, are uh, you know they're they're really down on running backs. They you know the reports right now kind of say they're not going to know Chris Carson's status until the end of the week. I I I, I haven't gotten any inclination that he was going to be playing. So they're yeah they're going to be down on the backfield. So it's it's going to be a Russell Wilson game. The 49ers have been good against the run so far, and even though the Seahawks' offensive identity has always been to run the football, they're pretty depleted down there, and that identity really hasn't held up this season. They this is the first season where we've seen the Seahawks really be more of like a pass first team. You know they've Russell Wilson against the Cardinals. Obviously that went into overtime and it was kind of a shootout. I mean, Russell Wilson threw the ball 50 times. So, you know, they still had 30 carries on the ground, but Russell Wilson threw the ball 50 times. So it was it was a pass game, and the Seahawks, as of as of now, are a passing offense. So it, you know, luckily the secondary has been playing good football, and they, you know, they should be able to hold up. K1 Williams would be a nice addition, somebody that can match up against uh Tyler Lockett. Uh we'll see though. We don't know who's playing. We don't know who's playing in the Seahawks' backfield. We don't know how many of those those guys we talked about earlier are going to get added to the 49ers roster. Still some question marks. Still some question marks. But I don't know, man. I think I mean I I think that pretty much covers it. You I mean it, it's not there's not a uh, it's not a mystery, I guess you could say on on what the 49ers need to do to beat the Seahawks. They're just going to have to play really good football. And uh, you know with Debo Samuel out. I think you're going to see a lot from Brandon Ayuk. Kendrick Bourne's going to need to step up a little bit. 
George Kittle's obviously George Kittle. He's going to do his thing. Um, and then whoever's at running back, I mean, my inclination is to Michael Hasty. Uh, just, just do the damn thing. Keep Russell Wilson on the damn sideline. That is my that is my take. That is my my in, intense football analysis that y'all are here to hear. Got any closing words there, Croc? Nah, man, I'm I'm getting excited for it. And and the big thing is just you know just execute both sides of the ball. Everybody should do your job, man. And for do that, they'll be fine. That's what they've been doing. It's a very well coached team. Especially, you know, the more guys they get back that are healthy um, offensively, uh, Shanahan has done a good job kind of, you know, doing a little patchwork with with the offense and, you know, guys that are kind of banged up and getting the next guy up uh, for the most part. Uh, so, man, I'm just – I'm excited. And, you know, 49ers have a good shot, uh, you know, realistic shot at, at this one. Yeah, I agree. I agree. And, and, and – I said that earlier. I just, I don't know. I feel like the 49ers have a better than average shot. I feel like in my mind, they, 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 they could be easily favored if, if they just play the way they've been playing. I feel like they've got a good shot, but I mean, I can't really quantify that. It's just, you know, it's a feeling. I feel like the 49ers match up well with them right now with everybody in their current state, but we'll see if it plays out like that. We'll see. You guys know that, you know, 49ers and Seahawks is always something to, it's always interesting. It's always interesting, but that's it. The next time you will be hearing for from us, it will be Sunday evening after the uh, the 49ers and Seahawks game. So we'll 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 see what it is. We'll see then. Uh, appreciate you guys. Thanks as always for listening. Wouldn't be here without you. Uh, it means the world. Appreciate all the love you guys have been getting. Striking gold. But for another night, we're signing out. Peace. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.